Welcome to Litigation Psychology Podcast, brought to you by Courtroom Sciences, Dr. Steve Wood, and with me today, Bill Kanaski. Bill, how the heck you been? Good summer version here. It's hot. It's hot as hell. Well, you're in Texas, so you're in the same boat as I am. Yeah. Here in Florida. Uh, but no, it's, uh, it's going good. A little downtime never hurts anybody because we all we always know what the fall is going to be like so hopefully did are you are you taking a vacation are you actually getting out yeah i'm i'm, I'm taking i'm taking a week just to kind of recharge after the, the floodgates have opened so yeah i'm gonna take a week i can't tell you the last time i had a week <laughs> I, I, I I'm, I'm anticipating it's it's gonna be two days that i was hoping was gonna be a week but before you know it i'm answering emails and yeah doing other things yeah, it is. It is tough. The key is to take vacations when everybody else is. If you can try to, if you can try to figure that out. But you know, it's it's all about timing. Uh, speaking of timing, it's time for my. I, I'm going to start. I'm coming right out with the strong rant, and all it's right. about children. It, it's it's about children, Steve. You huh. have kids, right? Oh yeah, I I could rant about this for days, but go ahead. Okay, but I'm talking as the okay. So I'm including adult uh, children now, as you very well know. My 21-year-old son uh, has moved back from Los Angeles uh, back into the household. So talk about disruption. And he's staying in my guest house, which half of the guest house is my man cave, which is where I'm sitting right now, which is where my podcast studio is. So he's right, you know, he's right next door here in this, in this, in this bedroom. And this place is an epic disaster. Now you can't see it. I would never turn my camera to show this. I see one, two, three, four, five just empty boxes of Chick-fil-A. One, two, three, four, five, six cans of soda, all half, you know, half full. And there's just laundry everywhere. This place smells like, like just ass. This, this place <laughs> smells, this smells like a men's locker room after a major sporting event. It, this place stinks. It's disgusting. I feel like I want to gag right now. Um, so kids, I, I'm saying this, these are male kids. Um, they stink and they're disgusting. I, I mean, how old's your son now? He's, he's 11. And uh, sometimes he gets cooped up in his, his bedroom. And when I go in there, I, it smells about the same as that too. It's, I mean, it's like disgusting. Yeah, it's kept all of the, the stink in the room. Gosh, it is absolutely disgusting. So I'm going to try not to gag. During the, I mean, it's great to have my son back, but um, we're going to have a talk tonight on cleanliness, laundry, uh, a little self-hygiene. Um, we're going to have that uh, talk because it is getting very, very ugly here. Um, well, it's good to uh, be back on the podcast here. Uh, you and I are authoring a new paper, and that's, that's still right. in the works. But we figured we'd use uh, a couple of episodes to 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 go over this this paper because it's actually a really important topic, and we've covered a lot of witness training topics, uh, witness performance topics uh, on this podcast, and uh, but this one we have not. Uh, this one we're going really deep uh, into the witness brain on this one, and uh, I think this is going to be a good uh, paper. But we're going to title this paper. I'm bringing it up right now: the 13 cognitive distortions that are crippling your witness. Now, what is a cognitive distortion? Irrational thinking patterns, okay? Let's just keep it simple. Irrational thinking patterns. And, you know, witnesses have this, well, I mean, just like any other human being, witnesses are biased. 
Um, they have irrational thoughts. They have irrational beliefs. And unknowingly, uh, they reinforce these over time. I mean, we, we all have these. It's, it's a very human thing. But your witnesses are human. And you know what our brains are really predisposed uh, to doing, which is really dangerous in life, but particularly you know in the context of litigation and witness testimony, is the brain makes these connections between between thoughts, ideas, actions, consequences, whether they're really truly connected or not, and that leads to witnesses making a lot of you know faulty conclusions. Uh, non-helpful uh, connections <laughs> between things. And it can really screw up your witness's perspective uh, going into uh, a deposition or, or even more importantly, uh, trial. So let's, let, let's go over a handful of these and in subsequent ep episodes, we'll go through the full list of, of 13. But the first one we call polarized thinking, polarized thinking. And this is the type of thinking that occurs uh, and every attorney's been through this with their witness. Uh, the, the witness has to be Mr. or Mrs. Perfect uh, related to their testimony. And if, they, if they're not perfect, they see it as a complete failure. A lot of type A people uh, tend uh, to think this way. You get this a lot with those uh, maybe high-level executives, uh, surgeons, right? Uh, uh, high-level corporate representatives, who believe that, you know, if their testimony has any flaws whatsoever, you know, case is over, we're screwed. And, uh, and then they will be fully um, responsible. Now, uh, this is a pretty common uh, thing that I've seen uh, with, with those uh, types of witnesses. And these types of witnesses, um, and particularly the ones that really don't understand the litigation process, um, they don't understand that you know, there are shades of gray, <laughs> Uh, and testimony, uh, and uh, they can't avoid the extremes. But these are uh, these are just really perfectionistic uh, witnesses. Steve, uh, how often do you see this, and and what are those discussions you have uh, with this witness? Because this this is the type of witness where if they don't get an A plus, they think you know the case is over and we're screwed. Yeah, I think one one of the main things I do in that situation is, is talk to the witness and just say, you're one of many witnesses in this case, right? There's experts, there's there's other fact witnesses that are going to be presenting, and we just need you not to suck, right? We we just need Don't you suck. to suck. Yeah. Do not suck. Try. Yeah. In fact, the Cubs during the Cubs uh, 2016, uh, Joe Madden came out with the famous phrase, and they still have the T-shirts all over Wrigleyville. Try not to suck today. It's right. And I mean, and that's really all you need, and at least, you know, to help alleviate some of that pressure, because a lot of times, as you said, these type A personalities yeah. are putting all this pressure on themselves. And the problem becomes is if they, if they realize in the middle of the deposition, they made a mistake or they didn't answer something perfectly, oh, yeah. then what do they start doing? They start ruminating on it. And before you know it, that's all they're focused yeah. on. And then it goes to hell in, in the deposition because they're too yeah. busy focused on the mistake that they made at the very mm -hmm. beginning. Yeah. And then, and then they can't think they can't right. process information because they're thinking about their previous answers. <clears throat> and that's a real problem, particularly with a strong personality and people that are really successful, either business-wise or again, I, I brought up to, you know, you and I work with a lot of, uh, you know, neurosurgeons, <clears throat> cardio thoracic surgeons, you know, um, transplant surgeons. I mean, these are people that uh, they kind of got to be perfect, right? <laughs> or at least right. close to perfect in their job. 
and then they bring that into testimony. And so that's why I think the witness training part is so important to break them down cognitively on that and to correct that irrational uh, pattern. Cause many of these people, I mean, particularly like I have, I have a story uh, that I've always tell where I was working with a surgeon in Indiana and we're you know doing our um, witness training session. We're doing the mock questioning. And he gave this answer that from a litigation standpoint was this perfect. And I said, time out. And we all sat there and went, <laughs> we applauded the, the entire legal team. And he looked at us and said, that's it. And I went, yeah, that's it. Like, I don't have to go into this four paragraph explanation. I, no, no. He's like, really? I go, yeah. And so there, again, it's a very irrational thought, but I think particularly some of these people, they figure the more I talk, the more complicated I make it, the smarter I look. And if I say that perfectly, it's somehow going to be a benefit for the case. But you and I know that that is not the case, is it? No, it's not. You know, it, it goes back to kind of, you know, we're talking about cognitive distortions, but also some more psychology when you're talking about the whole idea that length implies strength. Uh, so yeah. therefore, your long winded responses must somehow be better than your short, concise responses. But as we all know, that, that that's not true. Sometimes short, concise is, is much better than long winded. It's usually always better. And don't forget, you know, we've talked about cognitive fatigue. You know, you want to wear yourself down as a witness. Yeah. Start giving, start pivoting. <laughs> you knew I was going there. Start pivoting every single response and see how your energy works out. Also see how much money you're going to pay at the end of the case. Exactly. We're very anti, we're very anti pivoting. It's really, it's just the dumbest, dumbest idea ever. I have no problem saying that too. They can come after me. All right. So that's uh polarized thinking number one number two mental filtering hmm let's define mental filtering this is a type of thinking where your witness exclusively focuses on the negatives of the case otherwise what we'd refer to as bad facts and really filters out or ignores any of the positive aspects of the case so these witnesses tend to magnify that's the key here they magnify the negative details of the case and they pretty much refuse to pay attention to any of the the positive you know aspects of it you know it's very this is very I, I see this being very common with people that are being deposed for the first time you know they're new to litigation um they're experiencing high levels of you know fear uh anxiety they're you know they're uh they're worried in every one of these cases we work on there are plenty of positive facts, but man, they're so focused on the, uh, on the negative. And, and the problem was with the over-focus, it becomes magnified, right? And they don't really, so they, they think this, hey, you know, this case is uh, nothing but negative when, it, when, when in fact there are some positives. Steve, tell me about your experience with that and some of the things you, 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 you tell the witnesses. Because hey, listen, I mean, we're all human. Hey, I'm, I'm guilty of it as well it's really easy to focus on the negative. Yeah. I think one of the, one of the big things, obviously you need to tell your witnesses what the negatives are, or at least yeah. and they, they already yeah. know them, but sometimes they don't know all of them, but it's important to tell yeah. them just for the fact that they get comfortable with them. And then, you know, we always talk about on this about eating the bad facts, but that's one of the things is when they, when they identify them and feel comfortable with them, they can eat them. Um, but, you know, like you said, I think pointing them out, discussing them and talking about how, what on the surface may sound like a bad fact or may sound like something that they're going to want to try to 
to explain away is really not as, as bad as what they think. And then like yeah. you said, pointing out to the fact that all the different things that plaintiffs alleging, you can say, hey, we have experts that are going to back up all these things to show your care or your actions in this situation were appropriate. So I think, like yeah. you said, it's important to identify them, but it's, it's definitely important to, to kind of put them in context. Yeah. And all the solutions, the, the, the solutions to all 13 of these irrational thinking patterns is the same. And boy, there's a ton, ton of science behind this in clinical psychology. And that solution is called cognitive reframing, meaning the, the witness needs to perceive reality in a much more accurate way. They need to reframe their thoughts into um, accuracy, reality versus um, uh, this negative thinking pattern. And it's hard. It's really, really hard. It takes a lot of repetition and it usually always takes coaching. It always takes coaching because if you don't have anybody to, to call you, and again, this is either personally or within the, the witness prep setting. If you don't have a third party to call out your negative distortions, right? <laughs> your, your cognitive distortion, you're never going to know, right? You're right. not even aware of it. And so that's why the, that's why I think one, one of our main values in that, in that witness prep is to identify those things, help the witness reframe those things, and then reinforce that uh, reframing. The, the other thing I see with this, Stephen, I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on this, is I notice and I, get, I understand why it just it leads to problems. And so it's a lack of awareness where defense counsel. I think tends to inadvertently maybe overemphasize the negative facts of the case, right? Yeah. Which which kind of you know can can kind of push the 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 witness towards that 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 negativity um, and, and really ignore uh, the positive. Have you have you seen defense counsel almost like oh, almost exclusively focus on the bad facts and then the um, the good stuff just doesn't get enough attention? Yeah, I think sometimes, but I think, you know, some of the, the attorneys we work with often have got a sense of kind of understanding of, of not doing that. Uh, so I think sometimes they do and, and sometimes they don't. And I think sometimes it also helps for us, like you said, when we come in and kind of offer up and, and try to focus on some of the positive things, I think it kind of makes them feel more comfortable to, to be able to focus on the positive things as well. So, you know, it can it can be a mixed bag as far as doing that but i i've definitely seen it and like you said to your point it doesn't help your witnesses uh to to get over it or, or stop ruminating on it yeah and so again it takes um th this and again cognitive reframing is a very it's a very difficult type of training that we do with with witnesses um and i think attorneys would deeply str struggle with it if they if they try to do it by themselves it's uh because you know a lot of these negative thought patterns steve They've developed over years, that sometimes decades. Um, you know, you you know people in your life that always see something in a negative way. Well, they've been doing that for a long time. Yeah, they've been doing that for a reason. Then they get into litigation. Well, I mean, it's a it's a cognitive pattern that they're, they're wired to do that. And so, again, much of our job is to you know rewire that witness brain, and uh, that is not easy. Uh, and it and it takes time. I think one other thing right. I want to talk. I want to, one other thing I did want to mention when you're talking about that kind of negative feeling. I think it's it's a point we've talked about before, and you and I have talked about it about you know how witnesses look at the attorneys as far as everything they've ever had engagement with the attorneys has been negative, negative, negative. Uh, talking about the case, um, talking about the bad facts, talking about yeah. all the 
deposition that's coming up. So they're already having that negative bent as well. So I think that's another thing that you were talking yeah. about attorneys inadvertently helping with that negative opinion because you know, they're not trying to, they're trying to help the client. The problem yeah. is the client sees them as oh, God, every time this guy calls me, something bad's about to happen. Um, well, that's, and, the, and that's the truth. <laughs> that's the truth. <laughs> it's tr yeah. That is the truth, man. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. So defense counsel, you know, this, when we put this together in a paper and then Steve and I will put this together into a, a CLE program. I think this is going to be really helpful to train defense counsel because they're going to have to learn how to identify these um, distorted thinking patterns and then, and then try to learn how to, to, to help with them. But that's why we're here. Um, okay. So we got two down. Uh, we're not doing all 13 today. We'll just go over three or four. Um, number three, uh, cognitive distortion by the witness over generalization overgeneralization. So this is the type of thinking that happens when the witness really focuses on a single negative event from the past and makes an extreme conclusion that all other events in the future will be negative. So in litigation, this really happens in two circumstances. Number one, this is when the witness, uh, the witness's deposition is poor. Okay. So they've already been deposed and uh, they shit the bed and they will automatically assume that the trial testimony is also going to suck. Um, that's very, very common. I see this. I see a lot of witnesses come into trial preparation really, really pissed because they know they bombed their deposition. They don't feel they were, they were prepared uh, adequately. <clears throat> and now they're thinking, well, shit, you know, now I'm going to be in front of a jury, you know, now I'm, I'm going to get destroyed. Uh, and they just assume uh, they're going to get waxed uh, in, front of the, in front of the jury. And so that's kind of one of the areas that this comes up uh, when you get that poor deposition. Um, uh, and then they think it's going to, you know, they're going to do the exact same, if not worse, a trial. And then secondly, this happens a lot too. Uh, when the witness has testified in a previous case, whether it be deposition or trial, and there was an adverse outcome. So for example, a witness has been through the litigation experience, they have been deposed, they went to trial, they lost, right? And now they have a new case. That is really, really difficult to get over, creates very, very powerful uh, cognitive distortions. I have worked with a number of witnesses that have had bad experiences uh, and testimony prior to the current, you know, case. And man, it is sometimes almost impossible to get them from not, you know, thinking about that past event. And then the, the key here is they're making this automatic and extreme conclusion, this assumption that, well, it went shitty before, so it's going to be shitty on this one too. Steve, how often do you see that one? I, I see it. And I'm actually, you know, I've, I've, currently been dealing with it and recently so you know bad like you said bad deposition testimony and then you need to try to to try to fix it for trial and i think one of the things that resonated when you were talking about it was the whole idea of i wasn't prepared for my deposition and i wish i would have had that for my deposition yeah know? and i think one of the big things i just do in that situation is say you know can't go back can't can't go back and change the past we just need to make sure we identify kind of the things that the mistakes that were made so that we can, we can move forward. Um, but I always tend to not 
necessarily harp on all of the bad things um, and more or less just try to get them prepared. And I, I think one of the things I think is beneficial in that is when you point out kind of the things not to do as a witness, a lot of times the witnesses are smart enough to go, oh, I did that in my deposition. And, and they know yeah. and, and all they can identify it without you having to say, look, here's all the different times that you made mistakes. Um, and I, that's what I've found to, to help kind of alleviate some of that stress and concern. But it's definitely an issue that, that we deal with all the time. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And so the cognitive reframing here is to really challenge the witness to say, okay, well, you know, what evidence do you have that the last case is going to end up the same as this? And, and they're not going to be able to come up with anything. It's, just, it's an assumption. You're going to identify the assumption uh, and then encourage them to work hard and prepare and to, they need to understand that hard work, preparation, and better focus is going to lead to better outcomes, period. Now, Steve, uh, you having uh, a son who's highly competitive in athletics, same uh, with my son. This is a huge sports psychology issue. I mean, uh, I know you're not ready for this question, but there's got to be a time when your kid, right, either, and I know your kid's a pitcher, either he, he blew a save or gave up a home run, but then he's got to play four days later, right? Yeah. I mean, how do you get into your kid's head to say, you can't let the last game, you know, get into your head this game? Because it's a different game, right? Yeah. And I think that the other thing is I don't always understand is it's easier said than done, right? I just yes. tell him, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Look at all the good things you did. And he's like, yeah, that's great. But all I can think about is, is the walk that I had or the home run that I gave up or whatever. Um, so I think... I think all of this is to say, too, that, you know, you and I, I think, understand we say that you should be able to do these things. We say that the witnesses should be able to just brush it off and move on. And it's easier said than done. Um, I think that goes back to why you say hard work, preparation and focus uh, are needed in order to get yourself to that situation. So I think with my son and, and what I do with witnesses is, you know, you just have to keep encouraging them because they're not going to get it the first time. And for me to tell them, just let it go. You got to play in four days. Is not going to work but after a while of having that conversation eventually it starts to sink in and eventually it helps yeah. him to understand okay he's right i keep hearing this over and over again and he's right that i do let it go and things are good when i let it go so you know i think that's a, that's a good way to look at it yeah i mean this is one of the more i mean all of these things that we're talking about on this list are very powerful this is one of the most powerful because it it's, it's so applicable to everyday life because you have this, you know, what I call the here we go again phenomenon, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and again, it's completely illogical thinking, right? I mean, you know, the fact, okay, the fact that, okay, you're at home, right? And you're walking through your kitchen and, you know, your son spilled something on the floor and didn't clean it up. And you, you know, you slip and you, you bust your ass and you're like, God, that hurt, right? And then an hour later, you're driving the work and you get a speeding ticket. Well, what is your brain doing? Your brain is connecting those two events. Like, well, God, this is a really shitty day. Yeah. God, I must, I must have pissed the universe off, you know, <laughs> Oh, you know, or maybe God is mad at me today or something. And your brain starts doing this really, really weird things happens. In, oh God, when I'm watching sports, it's like the, Oh my God, here we go again. Here we yeah. go again. And, but the fact of the matter is none of those factors, are related at all <laughs> no. our brain but that's how the brain's wired the brain's hired to try to make sense of things and that's one of the main flaws of the brains because not everything is, is going to be able to make sense and um 
a lot of these factors are completely unrelated. So yeah, past events, past performance um, is, is, is a real difficult uh, factor with these witnesses. So if you, attorneys, if you get a witness that has that negative litigation experience, Ray, for this, Steve, know, know what this has come up a lot. You're going to die when you hear this. I've had several witnesses that have never been through a, a, a lawsuit related their, to their profession. The only, the only experience they've had with litigation was a divorce and they were deposed as part of their divorce. Oh my God. You talk about the worst possible situation. So you have this witness coming in. Now they're going to be deposed uh, for the current case, which has to do with their, you know, their job. And the only, the only experience they've had is getting grilled by a divorce attorney. <laughs> yeah. So I've had to talk a few people off the ledge uh, with that one. And, Can imagine. and uh, yeah, because I mean, I, I don't think divorce litigation has anything to do with civil litigation uh, like that, like what we face. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, so folks, so defense attorneys, you know, talk to your witnesses about their previous experiences um, with testimony, you know, with litigation, see how they feel. You know, one of the things we've always tried to educate our audience on is uh, talk to, you know talk to your witnesses about their feelings how do they feel about certain things um and so many attorneys skip that because either they're unaware of how important it is or they're it's just not their thing they're uncomfortable with it and yeah it's a little bit of armchair psychology but you will find a lot out about your witnesses vulnerabilities by assessing their feelings um again i'm talking again to open up to you um it's really, really important. And, and, and like a friendship or like a marriage or like a work relationship, a, uh, you know, a, a, a client and an attorney, that attorney client relationship is a relationship. <laughs> you know, it never gets called that, right? It never gets called a relationship. It is a relationship. And, um, but it gets handled so you know, business-like sometimes, I think that uh, many, many of the attorneys miss things uh, more emotionally with their witnesses, and then it, it blows up in their face down the road. So attorneys, talk to your, I think that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah, the that's definitely. Attorney, yeah, write that down. The, uh, uh, we're always talking about attorney-client privilege. Well, how about the attorney-client relationship? Really? Because, so, so we would be like, like marriage therapists for the attorney client relate like so we're like attorney client therapists in a way yeah. right gonna, gonna make these two parties get along well all right let's finish up with one more uh, and this is a common one everybody knows about this one number four cognitive distortion jumping to conclusions um this is less sophisticated happens all the time but again this is the type of thinking when your witness is just convinced that they or the company is just screwed and believe there's no chance whatsoever at obtaining a favorable uh, trial verdict or a favorable settlement. Uh, these witnesses um, are so convinced that the case is a complete loser, they often evade or downplay uh, witness preparation uh, because they feel it's a waste of time you know, we're, you know, we're going to get tagged. Why, 
you know, we obviously made mistakes here. Steve, I see this a lot in cases where um, there's a lot of bad facts. Um, oftentimes, this, these are the types of cases where there's going to be uh, maybe uh, admitted liability. <clears throat> and then the witness, um, the witnesses don't understand mitigation. And so I think a lot of these witnesses, rather than putting in the time or effort into, you know, witness prep, witness training, <laughs> uh, trial prep, what have you, document review, meetings with attorneys, they just kind of, you know, they think this case is a loser. Why am I wasting it? And they just don't put their full effort in. What do you think about that? Yeah, I've seen that. And I think one of the other things I've seen similar along those lines are, you know, the comments of really this litigation still going on. Like you guys haven't yeah. settled it yet. How come you can't yeah. just settle this case? Let's just settle. And, you know, happens I'm, all the time. Yeah. It, I, I, you know, just settle, just settle, just, just settle. settle it. Just settle yeah. it. It's like, well, we're trying. If you yeah. would help us settle it. Yeah, I think that goes back to understanding kind of how the the witness performance can help position settlement negotiations. So if you want it settled, like you said, focus, take it seriously, do document review and, and, you know, use the witness training sessions as a time to help position the case. And then you might be in a better position to settle it. So I definitely have one of those things that we see often uh, out of out of witnesses. Yeah, I got insurance. Just settle it. Well, yeah. From the insurance standpoint, it's it's not so easy. So those are four of the thirteen. Uh, Steve, we'll do this again next week and cover three or four or more. But I, I think I think this is a very very interesting topic, um, and we've covered a lot of deep uh, psychological topics regarding witness training. I think this is one of the deeper ones, which really deserves a lot of attention. And you and I will keep working on the paper and get that published, turn it into a CLE. And then I start giving that at seminars and law firms and, and things like that. But um, I think this was a good uh, productive episode. Yes, I, I agree. So as Bill said, we'll be back with another episode to add a few more cognitive distortions, have another conversation about how to approach those. And, you know, we'll hopefully use that to increase the chances of witnesses performing good at both deposition and at trial. So We'll look forward to another episode of Litigation Psychology Podcast brought to you by Courtroom Sciences. Take care. Sit.